pas de close Sur ce tempo tribal j'ai envie de poser des proses Tu connais le renard mec, tu connais la belette C'est moi qui fais cet oratoire, je suis le loup, c'est net C'était facilité de chambre pour moi Ed Uh, you were supporting Portugal. I, I was saying to you before we started recording, one of the great uh, inequalities in our relationship is that you don't support any teams I don't support. So I just get relentlessly hammered about France from you and there's nothing I can do to fight back. Such is life, Antoine. Oh, De cons. Je suis vraiment désolé pour uh, mon ami Antoine, ma, mon cousin. He's not actually my cousin, but he is from just up the road from where my family's from. So maybe we're related. Griezmann, that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Very, very sorry about supporting the opposition. No, it's quite all right. Uh, you were supporting them. Why, 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 why did Portugal take your fancy then? Uh, they were the underdogs. Yeah, fair enough. And, and for the uh, highly attractive football they play. <laughs> Fernando Santos has dedicated his life to making my life miserable. In 2014, I had to cover Greece for Bleacher Report, and that was like seriously one of the most joyless assignments you could ever be handed. Uh, and now his team beat my uh, my team in the final of Euro 2016, ruining the host dreams, but fulfilling the dreams of their real secret manager, Cristiano Ronaldo. He certainly did a run, didn't he? At the end, came out to the uh, run gigs that is, came out to the uh, touchline and was like hobbling around, shouting at his players, uh, urging Guillermo, the left-back, who I called awful the other week, who was actually very good in the final, um, to uh, get back on the pitch when he was injured. Yeah, the real manager in Ronaldo came out. He desperately wanted it, didn't he? He did, and... and I mean, the, you say Ryan, I think the, the player it most resembled was John Terry, of course, uh, when he was injured in some game and was doing hand signals behind Di Matteo's back. Um But I I think it might have made a tangible difference to Portugal. I think Ronaldo's presence and his kind of geeing them along did seem to make a bit of a difference. Look, they, they all the players said afterwards that they were trying to do it for him, as well as Portugal. And uh, Eder, who scored the winning goal. Should we talk about that winning goal? Stunning winning goal. Um Did I, did I mention that he scored the winning goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he mentioned afterwards that Ronaldo had told him that he was going to score. And uh, off, he, off he went and did just that. Richie Sadler on the second captain's podcast pointing out that not a match went by in his entire professional career where another member of his team didn't tell him, I'm pretty sure you're going to score today. <laughs> It's like pretty normal, apparently, in the dressing room. Indeed, yeah. But he, he did point it out. And anyway, the the game itself, not not a great spectacle, was it? I mean, much like the tournament, really, to be honest. A, a little bit negative. I mean, uh, you could hardly blame Portugal for playing like that, although they were... Um, they were, you know, unambitious until maybe the last 15 minutes of, of uh, extra time or so. And uh, they ba barely tried to break out until their dare came on. Well, don't you think there is a, a serious debate to be had about whether losing Ronaldo massively benefited Portugal in that, in that game? Because I'm not sure it massively benefited them, but I don't think it hindered them. Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, they've left him up front pretty much on his own until until recently, the semi-final. Nani got when they switched to away from four three three into a straight four four two and just played Nani and and Ronaldo up front together, and and he got much closer to Ronaldo. Before then, Ronaldo was miles away from his team. And so really it doesn't matter who's up there. Yeah, I'm, but I, I don't even just mean as in, I, I probably phrased that badly, because I don't even just mean as in like tactically or whatever, they were better off without him. They became, you know, the kind of Patrick Ewing theory that actually the team works better without its star. But I mean, I mean 
because of what happened to France. Because the first 15 minutes of that game was actually looked like it was on course to being a really good final. And France looked really lively and with it. And when Ronaldo went off, I thought at that point it should be a procession. But that was really when Portugal slammed the door. Well, they did. And they were like, right, no, we're not even going to try now. We're just going to, we're going to just play this Santos style. Uh, Ronaldo's Obi-Wan. He became more powerful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> That's exactly right. What a perfect analogy. Um, Deschamps, man. Oh. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't read any of the French press. Is he getting criticism today? Because he certainly should. I mean, he totally van hard that final up. I mean, just massive, huge favourites, knew exactly how Portugal would play. And he just made, you know, at least three really poor tactical decisions. Um, and then just, just seemed to hold his key players back. I mean, Pogba playing as a defensive midfielder for the entire game. Mental. Yeah, I mean, I think Miguel Delaney was the person that said he basically sacrificed his best midfielder to get the best out of his worst midfielder, which that's what he did because Sissoko had a very good game. But why you would play Sissoko as the most advanced man when you could just play Conte where Pogba was and Pogba where Sissoko was and you've got a completely different team. Uh, a truly bizarre decision. I mean, he's made a lot of bizarre decisions all tournament. There is this insistence on sticking with Giroud and Gignac as the only two options up front when he's got Martial sat on the bench. I mean, yeah, and and I mean, if ever there was a game yesterday that cried out for for Martial to to come on earlier, I mean, came on with ten minutes to go after Eder scored, mm. you know, it was a busted flush by then, and 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 too late, um, and you'll only use him in a wide left position, which of course we know Van Hal did, um, and it was just such. A, I mean, throughout the whole tournament, Martial's been criminally underused. Just over an hour's game time, he's had. Um, all out on the left wing, uh, and it just seems like Deschamps doesn't properly trust him. No, and I think this was the thing, because he was really quite bad in the... I can't even remember who it was against, but it was... Albania. Albania, there you go. The second, the second game, he was taken off at half-time, and that was it. It was like, you've had your chance, and that was pure Van Gaal, wasn't it? And actually, in Van Gaal's defence, he didn't use Martial on the left wing just because of what he thought of him as a striker. He did it to accommodate other players, but but in this case, like especially Gignac, Gignac did less than nothing all tournament and like he would bring him on at the end of games when games were stretched instead of bringing on Martial it was a surreal set of decisions yeah I mean Gignac uh, created a brilliant chance didn't he when he um, turned Pepe inside out and put Pepe on his bum and, and then scuffed the shot from about eight yards out and hit the post yeah um, he's definitely got some tricks in his locker but he's not like on course to be one of the better players in the world is Ezeignac and Martial is there already and definitely on his way to improving. I, I, I mean, I saw a tweet earlier today saying that Deschamps is staying on as France manager and it's very disheartening because I mean, of course it always depends who you get next, but he did well enough to get his team to the final and he made a, a few quite intelligent tactical decisions at half time in a few games, but you know, Eric called him the water carrier a long time ago and ultimately he did kind of revert to a fairly basic rudimentary defensive mindset. Yeah, I mean, it's been a pattern throughout the tournament in a way, hasn't it? Not not just a defensive mindset. I, I mean, coaches who are creating less than, than the sum of their parts, right? Mm. For all the attacking talent uh, and midfield talent that France have got, they they didn't click enough through this tournament. I mean, yes, they've um, just narrowly lost the final 
but but they really, you know, given the the sort of inconsistencies of all the competitors, they should have won this tournament, and that's why I think we both picked France as the the winners before the tournament. But but not just France. Uh, Mark Wilmot's at Belgium, Hodgson with England, uh, you know, others as well um, who kind of turn inwards this tournament. Del Bosque. Del Bosque, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, we, we we didn't do a podcast after the semi-finals, but I thought France were actually superb in that game. Like, obviously, Germany had a massively dominant 20-minute spell in the first half. But other than that, uh, France were superb. And I literally could not believe that you were on the side of that's not a penalty. Have you watched it again and changed your mind? Or are you are you still holding fast to Schweinsteiger diving like Superman with his hands first? Just, just bad luck, I thought. He was trying to head it and he just happened to have his hand up there. Just just rotten bad luck. And, and the Germans were dominant for the first half. Uh, well, completely. Not, I mean, France were in disarray in that first half. And then... not for the first 15 minutes, France were massively in the game. Then Germany found another gear and France looked looked terrified. Yeah, I, I, I think you can differently in France. Uh, but but second half, brilliant. I mean, you know, completely turned the game around and, and in the end it seemed comfortable, um, for sure. Uh, and, and probably, you know, for that 45 minutes, France's best 45 of the, of the tournament, given the... Given the opposition. The of opposition, yeah. But just none of that came out against Portugal. Sure, they sat very deep and they sat very narrow and and uh, they were unambitious. What else would you expect? But, you know, I think Portugal's lack of ambition was just matched by the hosts. I think Griezmann, who's had such an incredible tournament, he really did look like he suffered a bit from nerves in that final. He snatched at a couple of chances, um, you know... I'm very glad I'm not an Arsenal fan because a few weeks of rooting for Olivier Giroud has done for me. Um, I would not like to have to do that for a whole season. That does not seem fun at all. Payet was really quiet in the whole second half of the tournament, really. The knockout phase really belonged to Griezmann. Pogba, I've seen loads and loads and loads of really harsh criticism of Pogba's performance in that game. And I just think it is ridiculous to level that criticism at him when he was so badly misused by the coach. He was obviously following instructions and it, it was a complete waste. Just look at how he, how he plays for Juve when he's he's on the ball all the time and, and spraying passes around, you know, and he can operate in sort of any of those more forward midfield positions. Uh, and he's excellent there and he's just holding and just, just really bizarre use of of a, a real talent, uh, and and a waste of that talent. And and of course, you know, I suspect some of the you know, very harsh criticism in France, but I think some of the global criticism, especially from some of our fellow Brits, you know, you cannot divorce that from the fact that United uh, are interested and seemingly prepared to spend a, a, an inordinate amount of money on this guy. Yeah. Um, and and you'll never live it down if it happens. I mean, of course, you know. And and I don't think you can divorce the criticism of him from you know that rumor. Maybe not. No. Oh my goodness. The I've started to hashtag believe, and I really wish I hadn't. There, it was. I think it was yesterday as we record this when it was like Real Madrid drop out for economic reasons of the race for Paul Pogba, and you're like. This is like the Tory leadership election. We're just going to be the only ones left standing in this fight. After all those years of parsimony, United now have a fucking massive big swinging dick, don't they? And they're just going to spray it all over Europe. <laughs> Did you like my analogy? <laughs> I'm just going to 
going to say no, Ed. No, I did not like your analogy. They've got the biggest one in town and they're going to let everyone know. And, and that's what uh, might well capture Paul Pogba. I mean, the, the only thing I'd say that, and sorry for the digression, the only negative thing I'd say about this um, is that, you know, we're not sure that the player really wants to be at Old Trafford. I rather suspect if, um, if he had the choice, he'd, he'd uh, go to Real Madrid. Uh, and that might well still happen. You know, Madrid pulling out for economic reasons. We'll, we'll see. Right, you know they've used this tactic in the past, and they do the deal with the player, uh, and then the club. Yeah, and I, I also think. I mean, Raiola said today, well, he could still sign a deal with Juve, and I don't think it would be completely beyond the realm of possibility for him to sign an improved deal with Juve with a with an agreement to go to Madrid next summer for less money. Yeah, right. potentially. The only the only thing, I mean, and that, that might be in his interests. Of course, Raiola would make something like twenty million pounds out of a transfer to United. Yeah, but I think that the player's relationship with their agent is such that the agent's in it for the long run, aren't they? They make a lot more money by staying with the player for his whole career and getting the player what he wants rather than what benefits the agent. Well, they make a lot more money by staying with the player for his entire career, a player who moves about five or six times in that career. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can't quite bring myself to believe that it's going to happen, but it it definitely seems an awful lot more realistic a possibility than it did this time last week. Yeah, Uh, we'll see. Won't we? Um, well, why would you? What would you? If you had to, you had an evens bet, and you had to bet either way. Which way would you go? <laughs> Shall I look the odds up? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess evens now, just just with United. Mm. I guess. I mean, I have to say that that might be um, heart overhead. Right. Uh, you know, the cynic in me says that this is this is a long game, and it ends up with him. Uh, you know, with eighty thousand people at the Bernabeu. Uh, celebrating his arrival. But I think that the cynic in you could be sated by the notion that that's his 2020 move, you know. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, As they say in France, we know how this film ends. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Well, we do, but I think it would be really inaccurate based on the reading of the last few years to say that this film definitely doesn't end with United getting their man because there certainly have been circumstances when they didn't. But on the other hand, there have been players who did end up at United that would have seemed unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Van Persie, Di Maria, you know. Yeah. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, a word for Wales, uh, a game too far for them, that semi-final. They looked kind of mentally and physically pretty shot, and they, they definitely didn't look like they had what it would take to break down that kind of relentless Portugal side. Because we talked a lot about France and their failings, but Portugal executed extremely well that game plan. There was there was a lot of very good defending. Um, Absolutely. And Pepe, for once, actually did defending rather than rolling around. Amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, Wales looked knackered. And I don't know whether it was just physically, but as you say, maybe mentally draining as well. I mean, not too many of those players involved in really big games, you know, of of that kind of calibre and level and pressure. Um, and in the end, it did seem to to pay. I mean, the energy that they had in in some of the games prior to that, especially the Belgium game, uh, sort of relentlessly um, uh, pursuing, you know, victory even when it seemed against them, uh, just was completely absent from that game against Portugal. Completely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and it is that thing of tournament football. It's why 
in 2004 when Greece won it, it was such a shock that they won it because it you felt like at every stage you felt like, no, this was going to be the bridge too far. And certainly Portugal, the hosts at home in the final. What a great team that Portugal team was. Very different to this one. Um, and, and you just thought, no, this is going to be too much for them. That's why it was so remarkable. Wales followed, you know, they had an amazing tournament and deserve an absolute ton of credit. I believe there's a quote. This might not be an accurate quote, but I think Aaron Ramsey said Chris Coleman's the best manager he's ever worked with. <laughs> you sure he wasn't one of those uh, fake ones that goes around? I think it might, I think it might well have been. You never know what's true these days. No, you don't. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, you know, they, they had an amazing tournament, but they did like bump into a kind of their, their ceiling really um, in the way Iceland did against France in the way England did against Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sadly for me in the way that France did against Portugal. So I think it's only fair at this point that we have a conversation about um, Manchester United legend, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I don't know, we seem to. You're cla- choking up just, just <laughs> thinking about him. Yeah. Claiming a degree of ownership over him. Uh, he had a very nice hug with Fergie as did Nanny afterwards. He, he did. Uh, Ferguson waiting there like a proud dad. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to give his sons a, a big hug. Yeah. I thought I thought Nanny's hug was the uh, the more you know warmer, more genuine. I, I watched the Ronaldo. Cristiano's was a little cursory. I watched Ronaldo's a few times and actually isn't because I, I thought that the first time I saw it because the still image of it is looks like a kind of longing embrace. Um, and then when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's actually a bit quick. But no, he really he really leans in there and puts his whole body into that hug. Just uh, it's just a bit brief. But yeah, Nanny looked so happy to see him. Perhaps he's following the uh, the Larry David rule about hugs. Oh, what's what's the length? What's the acceptable? No length? more than three seconds, <laughs> otherwise you get a hard on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was nice, and you know Ronaldo really did seem to be a vital part of that team, even off the pitch. Oh, yeah. It really did seem they drew energy from him. Definitely did, uh, and you know he was he was right out there. Um, he was you know, every bit a leader, wasn't he? And uh, I don't think any other player could could have come out onto the touchline, into the technical area, and commanded the kind of you know not 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 a moment from Santos of saying go back, you know? No, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely not. And and also, I don't know. It's, it's sort of easy to be cynical about Ronaldo, but for me. Not a moment of thinking this is posturing, not a moment of thinking this is Ronaldo making about him, but actually this is him using his God-given gifts and charisma and leadership and importance, God-given in a metaphorical sense, you know, um, using that for the benefit of his team as a whole, not just for the greater glorification of Ronaldo. This was right. for the lads. Like that clip that went around of him talking to Jean Moutinho um, in the penalty shootout against Poland, where he says, you know, take one, you hit them well. Don't even worry about it. If we lose, we lose. It's fine. It's in God's hands now, you know, but take one. And Moutinho does take one and does score. Uh, you know, Ronaldo is clearly an actual leader in this team, not just a sort of preening prima donna. Yeah. Not only do you push your left wing agenda on this show, but uh, you your atheist agenda as well, apparently. I, I don't have an atheist agenda, far from it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, he was... Um, I, I I don't detect uh, ego in Ronaldo's performances for Portugal. I think he's... Uh, you know, sometimes he's frustrated. You know, you can see that and he, you know, he expects more from his players than he gets when he's at Real Madrid. 
Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's about ego for his country. I think it's something more than that, you know. Um, and he's he's played an awful long time, uh, 13 years, 14, 13, 14 years as a, as a Portugal player, several of them as captain now. Um, it seems to mean a lot to him, and uh, and and it showed. I think. Yeah, and I uh, I think you know when he got injured, that was incredibly sad. Even though he was the best player in the team, but I didn't want to win that game. You just did not want to see it end like that. So with so the fact that it ended with him being a kind of inspirational figure on the sidelines made a much more. Uh, it was like it was almost like you know you could hear the Rocky theme playing when he came back out to the dugout you know it's like Ronaldo's gonna make a difference to this game even if it has to be by the medium of shouting and pointing and hobbling up the steps to collect the trophy yeah absolutely so well done very sincerely well done Ronnie what did you make of the tournament overall I mean put it in I don't think you can divorce tournaments from the sort of context of other tournaments can you I, I'm you know I, I don't know about you but that's what I do mentally as a fan you start ranking mm-hmm. them so where does this rank in uh, the annals of European Championships? Well, I I don't do that to the same extent. I mean, definitely, if you just empirically rank this one, it's quite low. But I think there really isn't any such thing as a bad international football tournament. Maybe, maybe the World Cup in South Africa in 2010 just about counts as that. But even that had these kind of extraordinary moments in it. But this tournament... Whilst there were a lot of matches which really weren't that exciting and kind of defensive football literally won the day, I'll remember that there's that, there's something about that, the sheer concentration of football and the sheer concentration of talented footballers in the same location means that you get these extraordinary moments of magic, even in the kind of dullest tournament. Yeah. I mean, that's always the case, isn't it? I think, you know, big picture, this is, this is one of the poorer European championships of the last 20, 25 years. Um, you know, undoubtedly. And, and that's because the, the the tactical narrative was pretty defensive football, you know, and not too open, cautious, prosaic, a, a little bit, you know, Van Hal inspired, um, and uh, and hopefully we'll get something better. I mean, it was it was more attacking in Brazil, perhaps not as you know samba football as we would have liked two years ago, uh, but more. Um, but the group stages were absolute barnstormer in Brazil. Yeah, two yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, and we didn't get that this time round. Um, what did you make of the the move from sixteen to twenty four? Because you know, for me, there's there's some negatives and positives of this. The, the the positive is definitely we get more variety of teams, and you just look at Iceland and Wales as two great examples. They probably wouldn't have qualified, or they might not. Well, Iceland finished at the top of their group, didn't they? So, and so did Wales. Yeah. yeah. I okay, well, second. So, yeah. so, so just to prove, disprove my theory, <laughs> five seconds after I said it. But you know, traditionally teams like that haven't qualified, and and you got a, a greater variety, which is good. Um, does it drop the quality though? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about even the qualification, even though I think both Wales and Iceland would have been in the tournament under the old rules, they probably wouldn't have had the qualification campaign they had under the old rules because paradoxically that freed up the qualification to be a bit more attacking and and to give belief to some of the smaller teams but then once you're in the tournament the presence of those teams is i think probably what defined the narrative because 
uh, of, of like defensive reactive football being the, the kind of order of the day because because there was an 87% chance that if you got 3-0-0 draws in the group stages, you'd get through to the knockout stages, that inherently puts the emphasis on defensive football. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, then the question is, do you stick with 24? Do you go back down to 16? Do you expand it to 32? Because then that uh, gets rid of that problem, but reduces the quality of the, or at least, uh, at least probably makes the group stages a little bit pointless. Well, I think... I think then the other the other implication, of course, is that even once you then get through the group stages to the knockout stages with 24 teams, you've got imbalances in the sides, which generally leads to one team playing really defensively. So, But the genie's out of the bottle. They're not going to go, oh, right, you know all these FAs that have loved getting to this tournament. Sorry, lads, you know, not, not, not having another go next time round. No, right. Uh, and and look, this isn't some kind of philanthropic thing that UEFA are doing. They're expanding the TV pool, and they'll expand it further by you know the fact that the next European Championships isn't going to be in a single country. And I think that is a much bigger shame to the culture of the tournament, because having a host nation is is maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there'd be a magic about spreading it out and kind of making it pan-national and maybe we could all do with a bit more pan-nationalism in our lives especially in this country at the moment uh, but the but that kind of concentration of location does give it a real kind of like well the host nation is putting on a festival of football for a month everyone come along yeah we'll lose that i mean it'll become more like the champions league of nations yeah which I, we don't need that in our lives do we no 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 we don't uh Unfortunately, money talks, uh, and um, by doing this, they can increase the TV pool, not only from the countries that have qualified, but from those who don't and host games too. It's mad that a... God, I'm going to make another Brexit parallel, sorry. Um, it's mad that the the disgraced leadership that forced this through are now out of the picture altogether, leaving the people whose idea it wasn't to clean up the mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, Platini banned for, what, six or eight years? Can't remember now. Uh, Infantino over at uh, FIFA and, uh, you know, by all accounts, uh, it's the same old FIFA under Infantino. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, a rather, I think it's a bit of a shame. I, I think maybe we'll remember the Euros before this one as the kind of last of the great Euros. But I'm always going to remember that Icelandic thunderclap and watching the kind of, you know, I, I'm getting, I was, I was, I had something caught in my throat when I was talking about Ronaldo. This one, I really am getting a little bit choked up because that Icelandic homecoming was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I'll tell you what really wound me up is people having a go at Wales for having a kind of massive open top bus reception for getting to the semi-final and like these sneering English fans going, um, oh, you didn't win anything and you're celebrating. It's like victory comes in lots of different forms for Wales to get to the semi-final of a major European tournament. There's, there's a kind of once in a lifetime experience for people that have been following football in that country right uh, i mean arsenal have an open top bus tour every time they finish fourth in the premier league don't they <laughs> they do not but this is that would be worthy of making fun of because their aspirations should be higher but wales exceeded expectations for Mars. you wouldn't i didn't see those same english fans sneering about the iceland players having a massive uh homecoming so yeah no yeah, well, there you go. Um, it, it's been fun for three and a bit weeks. What was your goal of the tournament, Ed? Um, hmm. Well, Pirates in the opening game for context and uh, how Robson Carnews for quality and Shakiri's for just 
you know, beauty. Yeah, I think that the Hal Robson Carnu goal has the benefit of being in a, in a in a game which is team one. Um, Shakiri's one. I think if I just had to watch one of those goals for its pure aesthetic value, I would definitely pick the Shakiri goal because oh my goodness! But the Robson Carney goal was just such a surprise. Uh, Andy Thomas written a brilliant article about watching that vine a thousand times on a loop. <laughs> it's really good. He goes quietly mad during it. As <laughs> as you would would, yeah, yeah. So there you go. All, all done and dusted. And we we've got uh, what I don't know about. Um two days until United's first game and they away to Wigan in a couple of days, days time yeah, on, literally on Saturday we're playing we are playing on Saturday it's ridiculous excellent so we're doing a podcast previewing the uh, United Reserves versus Wigan are <laughs> no we? we are not uh, yeah this is the last rank cast until uh, we kick off with our big season preview but we've got kind of an announcement to make um, which I hope people think is a nice thing we are gonna, we're starting a Patreon for the rank cast which is patreon is a thing where you can pay a monthly subscription it's a way of us getting some support uh for doing the show but also we've had a tip jar for a while and this allows us to do a thing where if you back at various different levels you get some cool rewards so you can back it's done it's all done in us dollars for some reason which i guess (laughs) nowadays that's really the only currency worth trading in but anyway you back like one dollar a month you become a friend of the rank cast um but if you back at the five dollar level or or higher you'll get some extra content from us so the the main show is not going to change at all still going to be free for everybody um and but then we're going to do like a 10 minute show uh an edition every week for backers and once a month we'll do a half an hour questions and answer podcast there's some higher tiers where we've uh got some cool stuff uh which we're going to be giving away if you back at higher tiers uh and for one thousand dollars a month we will say something nice about wayne rooney on every show when i asked people what rewards they wanted that was that was the one answer it was like we should be able to get you to say nice things about Wayne Rooney. We're having a strictly no editorial content influence from any of our backer tiers, except for the Rooney tier, $1,000 a month. We might we might not actually do that. Very good. I mean, it's probably prescient, to be honest. We're about to become the 51st state, aren't we? <laughs> now we've uh, exited from Europe. Not sure who that benefits, uh, because our backers will have to pay 20% more to uh, reach each of those tiers than they would have had to do about three weeks ago. Uh, but of course, uh, for every dollar we get, we get about £600 now. Yeah, so that's good. It's good for us. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully people can back and get some extra content. The main show, if you don't want to do anything, you just ignore all this. We're going to plug it every week, but that's the only difference it will make in your life. Um, but you'll, if you back us at basically five bucks a month or more, you'll get a bit of extra content from us. And then there's some higher tiers for people that have like, have, have kind of asked for that kind of thing and there'll be mugs and we're going to maybe have some art prints and do various things that we think are cool and if you have any we've had two mugs running this show for six years <laughs> exactly this way we get to maybe um pay ourselves for doing this show and also pay tom for producing it which is uh, kind of the motivation for doing it very good uh, so what's this extra content going to be so once a month first of all we're going to do a 30 minute show just for backers answering question from from them um so that's going to be like Patreon exclusive. Basically, when you sign up through Patreon, you get access to an RSS feed, which you can put in your podcasting software like you would any any podcast. 
Um, and then uh, once a week, as well as the the whole main show, backers will get like a ten minute extra bit where we'll we're either going to we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. We might talk about football that's outside of United. We might talk about stuff from the culture, maybe movies and music and all that kind of stuff. Just. 10 minutes of us chatting, basically. It's just what everyone's always wanted, isn't it, Ed? Awesome. Well, we'll pick a theme each week. So uh, yeah. the Ryman League it is in our first league. No. <laughs> no. Do you know anything about non-league football? I, I, I went to a non-league football. I've been to two non-league football matches in my life, I think. Listen, I know this is like not acceptable to say, but I don't think I really like non-league football that much. That's because it's shit. <laughs> just going to let you into a little secret there. Just about the fighting. Anyway, back our cool hip grassroots uh, movement. It's patreon.com slash rantcast. Um, it's not up yet, uh, but it will be. And um, if you go there now, you'll see a bunch of holding information that doesn't really apply. So don't sign up to anything. Um, but we'll be announcing it on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and then in the preview show, we'll do a proper, a proper launch. Very good. And if you have a recurring payment on PayPal to donate to us, cancel it. Yes, definitely. Although we will be keeping the PayPal open because somebody requested that they, we still have access to open donation where, hey, listen, if you want to give us money, we'll let you do that. Should we take some questions from the listeners? Talking of taking things from the listeners. Let's do it. Uh, for those who haven't already backed us, all you're going to hear now is beep. <laughs> Don't scare people, Ed. The main show is not going to change at all. We haven't changed. We have not sold out to the man. Um, Atla False number 12 says, Mothra or Godzilla? We haven't talked about the moths. Yeah, kind of scary that was. I, I read something about it, them having the lights on too long or something like that attracted yeah. half of Europe's moths. They left the lights on the night before the match, apparently. I don't know why they did that, but it turned out to be a massive strategic error because there were moths everywhere, including on Cristiano Ronaldo's face. And a whole bunch of japesters who by half time had opened a moth account on Twitter. Which is not good. I, I wonder how many of those will last beyond yesterday. <laughs> I was thinking, like, there was about... There'll be a couple of people plugging away in two years' time, still trying to, you know, do the moth joke. That's it. Like, they, those people will earn my undying respect. If you're running a Cristiano Ronaldo moth account in 2025, then give us a shout, because uh, that's, that's impressive work. Yeah, I mean, you do tend to see uh, these kind of parody and comedy accounts disappeared and whatever happened to the big sam he, do, he doesn't exist anymore that's one of my favorites i hope he comes back if he gets a job they're going to interview him this week i'm so delighted honestly funny we had this chat didn't we and i said klinsman and you said uh, allardyce and neither name was really in the frame yeah at the time and they're the two men being interviewed this week allardyce allardyce Allardyce, Allardyce. There's something wrong with you. I've I'm very rarely been this emotionally invested in any football topic. It's going to be terrible. Uh, you know what my prediction is? I know I jokingly said England would bomb out to Malta under Allardyce, or would lose all three games in Moscow, Russia. Uh, I actually think what will happen is after they go out of the World Cup, all the punditry will be about, why can't English players just keep the ball? We don't have any technical ability <laughs> after we try to hoof it. Up to, you know, Andy Carroll for 90 minutes. Big Sam had a team with JJ Okocha and Yuri Jorkaev in it. He knows beautiful football and he loves beautiful football. If if he'd had a chance at Real Madrid, he'd have won more than them. <laughs> so he says. That's his story and he's definitely sticking to it. Well, Fergie's a big fan and, uh, and Fergie will be getting his mate David Gill... Um, who is, uh, you know, one of three men on the panel to uh, push uh, Bush's mate's agenda. But won't David Gill go, uh, listen, 
Big Ferg, Big Alec. Uh, you know, the last time you suggested a manager. And then surely that ends the debate right then and there. Why isn't Moisey in the frame? He should be. He shouldn't be, but Big Sam should be, and he is. All right, uh, talking of Moisey, at K underscore Oak 20 says, what would a successful season look f- look like for you? I'll just be happy if we play better football. No, no, after three years of of being miles away from anything that's relevant, United have to be relevant. I'm sure Mourinho will take the same uh, attitude as well, you know? He wants to win. He does. Um, I think that it depends on how the transfer activity goes between now and the end of the summer. But It's gone all right so far. It certainly has. Um you would. They've got the big unit at the back that they needed. They've got Ibra up front. McTarian is a very exciting forward player. If they get Pogba, we need to be saying it's got to be the title we're going after. Yes, I I agree. I think that's I, I think that's completely reasonable. But we'll discuss that at greater length in the season opening preview in a couple of weeks' time. Um, at bifurcated underscore MBM, one of Twitter's best accounts, says, do you think England can still win the Euros? Uh, yeah, sure, in uh, 2020, 2024 or 2028. I think that seems a long shot. Let's go Let's go with the one after that. 2032. Um, at Paul Hay 1967 says, where are you going on your holidays? Uh, I'm going to Seattle. Nice. I'm just missing the Sounders. They are playing the Portland Timbers uh, the day before I get there. Uh, which is a shame. Uh, I actually changed my travel plans, was planning to go to the game, and then they've got three games on the road. So uh, I'm going to baseball instead. Oh, nice. That'd be good. That's kind of better in a way, isn't it? To but Baseball is basically an, an excuse for drinking a very large amount of beer and hot dogs. <laughs> right. Um, but in a way, isn't it better if you're going to America to watch a baseball game than a, than a, than a football match, given that you could just... Actually, one of the rowdiest sporting occasions I've ever been to. Right. And I've been some very rowdy football matches. Yes. It was at Fenway in Boston. Right. They like drinking and they really, really, really like fighting. <laughs> um, how did that compare to like a, a derby at Anfield or whatever? Well, I mean, less hostile, but just a lot of drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Lentorp says, where do you stand on moths? I try not to stand on them. I'd rather put them in a glass and put a bit of paper and let them out the window. No, you've got to get one of those SWAT things. Um, at Oxen the Bull I think we've sort of answered this a little bit but we'll, we'll just cover it again because things may have changed a bit what role do you think Rooney will have in the team next season and note think not hope hashtag off to China please uh, yeah I think he's going to be playing at number he's 10 he's definitely I mean, going to be playing at number yeah, 10 yeah Mourinho has basically said this he's you know basically uh, you know semantics aside basically said he won't play him at 8 or 6 he's not really a, a number 9 anymore and you know so, so work that one out, unless he's going on the wing. Have we have we done a podcast since Mourinho's press conference? I don't think we have. I don't think we have. What a blinding press conference that was. All right, the bit where he said, I've brought through loads of young players. Look, 49 of them, some of whom have had up to two professional appearances. Um, <laughs> that, that was a little straw graspy, but the rest of it, when he was asked about Rooney, and he went, for me, is never a midfielder, no, never a number six, never, with like disdain in his voice. And he goes, you say he has an excellent pass under no pressure. I have an excellent pass. So we said, <laughs> oh, we, yes. we, we said a few weeks ago, I hope Rooney, I hope uh, Mourinho was watching England Iceland. He clearly was watching England Iceland. Yeah. I mean, Rooney became a meme after England Iceland. <laughs> so uh, he could barely, he could hardly not have seen him. But no, no, I mean, Mourinho was every inch a Manchester United manager, wasn't he? You know, 
as we knew he would be, at least you know in the in the rhetoric. Uh, and he's great, and he's very personable when all is going well. It's when it doesn't go well that it gets a bit worrying. And then the dominant thing becomes the, I'll email you 49 names. It turned out to be 55, a couple of which had never actually played for him. <laughs> Classic. Classic Mourinho. Hey, hey, look, if Fergie had thought of that one, he'd have done it too. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I was very impressed by the cut of Van Gaal's jib. Um, and I saw a few people, you know, people are terrible on Twitter. They'll just do any kind of praising thing. But there was like, you know, one of those hashtag the difference memes where it was like, uh, David Moyes, we aspire to be like City. Van Gaal, the expectations are too great. Mourinho, I'm here to win everything. And it's like, mm, if you look at Van Gaal's first press conference, he basically says, I'm here to restore United to their former glory and win everything. That was... It said, we'll make history together. Yeah, which is exactly kind of... Unfortunately, they did. <laughs> they won the FA Cup. We haven't won that for a very long time. Sort of kind of history. Uh, and also just conceded, I mean, scored a ridiculously low number of, a historically low number of goals. Indeed. Oh, no, I I, look, I really enjoyed uh, Jose's press conference. Uh, the club seemed to be going about their business very quickly in the transfer market. I had no idea if that's got anything to do with Jose um, or whether Woodward's just got his act together or whether they just decided to get into bed with every devil of an agent they can think of. The latter might well be true. It's a bit mad though, isn't it? Because we were expecting a summer of Mendes clients and instead it's like Raiola all day, every day. It's just Raiola is the de facto director of football now for reasons we don't really understand. No, Do you don't believe Mourinho is going to make the move from Mendes to Raiola? Is that what this is a precursor to? No, no. He Look, he goes on social media with a Portugal scarf. If you're Portuguese, you have to have Mendes as your... Your agent. Yeah, his gym jams were very nice. He looked very cosy. I was happy for him. Marks and Sparks gym jams? What do you reckon? Something like that. It could be could be a good quality Georgia Asda. Nothing wrong with a Georgia Asda gym jam. He likes Matalan, we know that. Yeah, of course. Uh, at JSF underscore seven, a very happy Portugal fan, says, why did Ed Air shoot? I still don't understand. There was no reason for Ed Air to shoot, but nonetheless, Ed Air shot. Like he'd never I, I think shot he might before. be a fraudy fraud of a striker, that's why. <laughs> Might be, yeah. Um, at Sophie Gator, in a slightly different note, it says, Is there any player in football at the moment more slappable than Pepe? Hashtag not advocating violence. Hashtag special circumstances. You're only as good as your last game. And he was fantastic in that final. Absolutely impeccable. And he didn't... There were no histrionics at all. Yeah, no, it's very true. At uh, UTSav21 says, If Italy won it like Portugal, wouldn't the media and pundits be praising the brilliant Italian efficiency and defence? Probably, yes. We'd also be saying they were negative and they stole it. They would. Um, how wonderful was the moment when Ronaldo hugged Fergie? I almost wept, says at Dave Boy Boy. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. But as Ed says, he, Ed doesn't feel it. Ed wasn't feeling it. He thought that was perfunctory. I did. I thought, I th- I, yeah. My, my instinct says that the nanny gave it more. Um, at P. Marrow says, uh, how many similarities were there between this tournament and the last two years watching LVG's United? Some. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't like there were a lot of games where people were just keeping the ball and endlessly recycling possession without any purpose, except England. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about England is England did create many, many more chances than uh, uh, Van Gaal United team did. At underscore Rob Pollard says... Do you miss Moisey? No. He's showing off because he got to see Nine. Pep Guardiola's chair at the City press conference. I can probably say no in several languages as well. <laughs> 
Nyet. I can definitely say no in more languages than I can count so five in. <laughs> At Joe underscore Cooper underscore says, will Corbyn make it onto the ballot in the forthcoming Labour leadership elections? By hook or by crook, yes. I think he will. Well, I think it would have to be by crook to get him off there, to be fair. I don't know. He anyway. doesn't get the nominations. He doesn't get the nominations. <laughs> What a ridiculous world we live in. Um, at Ryan Dino 7 says, have you started doing your research yet for the pre-Olympic football episode of the Rankcast? No more Rankcast until pre-season. Look, this might be a controversial view. I don't think there should be football in the Olympics. Oh, really? That is not an Olympic sport. So you think you're, you're of the view that like any sport where the Olympics isn't the pinnacle shouldn't be in the Olympics? So Yeah, pretty much. Or, or just be honest about it, because they, they've got this kind of weird halfway house now where they pretend it's a youth tournament. And actually, it's an under-23 with a few overage players in. It's just a really bizarre... It's like a B-team tournament. Yeah, it's a, it is a slightly strange... It's a slightly strange thing. Yeah, so it should make it like an under-18 tournament and we could all enjoy it. But then. I don't think... I think that would be really weird to have an, just a tournament at the Olympics which is just like, oh, you're just under-18s now. I think they should have a, a genuine amateur tournament at the Olympics. No, I don't think that. Having just said I don't like watching non-league football because it's terrible. Haven't they allowed pros in the boxing? Oh, my goodness. I, be- I believe they've de-restricted it and they've, uh, you know, you can now enter as a pro. I'm not sure too many pros would take the risk. I mean, amateur boxing and amateur and professional boxing are almost two completely different sports. Sure, you hit the guy in front of you, but that's about it. Do you Are you an Olympics fan, Ed? Are you looking forward to them? I am, yeah. I like... Most stuff. I, I can't say I really like the athletics or track and field for our American colleagues. Um, doesn't, yeah, find that a bit dull, really. Um, the, the the only good ones are the ones where it lasts nine seconds and a bit. I like the obscure sports that you don't watch at any other time. And then you watch them for like two days and then someone makes a mistake and you go... Instant expert, yeah. And it's like, I've, I've, I've just tied at an archer. Why, why, I don't know why he missed that. That handball man didn't throw that ball where I thought he should. Yeah, I know. The technique with skeet shooting is more subtle than you realise. I'm so excited about the Olympics, though. I really, I really do like it. I haven't. So, so t- answer me this: Why is it that the Zika virus only impacts golfers? Uh, could that possibly be because the Olympics is not the pinnacle of golf? Could well yeah. be. Um, all right. Uh, at Mr. TJ Fox says, should we expect be expecting a Lingard departure this summer? I've not seen him on any of the lists. No, I wouldn't expect him to play anywhere near as many games. I mean, he played over 30 games for Van Gaal last season across all competitions. I think it will be, mm. it might even be sub I mean, he does have the kind of energy and work rate that Mourinho values. He does, and he's, uh, he's uh, tactically disciplined in a way that, uh, say, Juan Mata isn't. Although, or wasn't. Until uh, Van Hal beat the creativity out of him, uh, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, it just doesn't offer enough going forward for a Mourinho side. All right, so uh, give me between three and five players that won't be at United when we record the season preview podcast. Uh, I think it's going to be a bunch of young players, unfortunately. So okay. let's say Varela, uh, Blackett, and um, Johnny Evans. Not Johnny Evans. Paddy, <laughs> M- Paddy McNair. <laughs> the same person and I know you disagree with me about Johnny Evans but not the same quality of footballer either I'm just I'm just <laughs> such a racist I can't tell the difference between these northern <laughs> Irish guys um, at Saruman187 asks uh, what both of our opinions are on Twitter as a whole positives and negatives 
It's an interesting question. Um, I, on, on Twitter, the company? Or no, the... Twitter, the, the concept the platform and community? And the community, I guess. Yeah, Twitter, the company, they really need to, to pivot their business model away from being a super geeky product to, into being a more open media platform that allows them to take a broader audience in. Um, that's their problem. They've flatlined at about 300 million users. Fantastic business, but they can't grow from there, which is why they're getting hit in the stock market. Um, Twitter, the platform, it's just the bottom half of the internet. It's 99.999% evil and quite funny. Uh, the, the, the thing about it is, like, I've, I've got some very sincere positives out of Twitter. I've made some friendships which will last a very long time, which have kind of migrated into real-life friendships, and it's a lovely way to interact with people all across the world from loads of different cultures and share jokes and, and uh, interesting discussions and stuff. But also, it's horrible to there's two things i really don't like one is when people are just randomly nasty to you obviously that's not very nice but the other thing is the kind of the compulsion that people feel to tell you your their opinion when you share yours which i i kind of understand you you could be saying you're kind of opening a discussion but like you're not asking necessarily for feedback and when people kind of just dismiss your idea and tell you why they're right instead it's like that part of it's not very nice and of course like twitter as a company what they could really do with is seriously clamping down on abuse because there are some very problematic aspects about the way certain groups of people are treated on twitter women people of color it's not not cool at all uh, no, it's not. Um, the trouble there for many social platforms is that uh, where do you draw the editorial line? Mm. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Twitter have not taken this particularly serious as a concept over time based on their actions. That's because they've got a nutter as a CEO. Uh, should we move on from <laughs> any years? Uh, uh, at the Red AA says, did we buy the wrong striker, i.e. Griezmann over Zlatan? I mean... One of them would cost 150 million and the other one was on a free transfer. So not really comparable, I don't think. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Griezmann would cost about 60 million, but he signed a new contract. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but no, I, th- I think. 60 million being loose change these days. I think it's a very different situation, though, isn't it? Because Griezmann, you'd be signing to build a team around for the medium term, whereas Latan is clearly there to provide a lift over the next couple of seasons. Uh, and one in particular. I mean, one season in particular, not one lift in particular. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Um, how about we call that a show? That was a show. I'm not sure how nice. good he was, but, you know. Hey, <laughs> hey, sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> yes, do that. And uh, I guess we'll be back uh, with you uh, with extra bonus Patreon content on uh, the rise of Donald Trump oh, God. and postmodernist Afghanistan. No. Wait, is is Afghanistan a particularly postmodernist society? Well, we'll find out in four <laughs> weeks' time. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Stay tuned to the Twitter and Facebook to get details of the Patreon when it launches. Um, and uh, we'll be back with you. As, as I said earlier, I repeat this, the main show, free to everybody. So if you're not interested in the Patreon, don't worry about it. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in a few weeks' time. Have a nice summer. See you then. de galettes, les bouffeurs de crêpes Après avoir bravé bien des galères et des tempêtes Regarde bien la tête des jeunes guerriers celtes Il y a le loup, le renard, bien sûr